So welcome to the show. I'm David Speed. I'm Adam Brazier. And this is Creative Rebels. Uh, it's a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. We started our first company, Graffiti Life, in a small garage. Yeah, it wasn't easy. But we built the company up to the stage where now we're regularly working with brands like Disney and Nike. And we've been lucky enough to make art all over the world. On this podcast, we interview successful creators. Their advice will enable you to take action and turn your passion into a career. There's literally been no better time in history to make a career from being creative. So many people are going to tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to tell you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Hey guys. Hey Rebels, welcome back to the show. Great week this week, again. Um, I don't want to say this every week because it will get boring. Yeah, but but it has (laughs) keep, it's consistently been a great week so far, so... um, Thanks again for everyone who's listening, everyone who's reading, everyone who's subscribing, leaving reviews. It means so much. Like you guys keep using the word inspiring, which to us is amazing. Yeah, that's what keeps us going. That's what gets us out of bed in the morning. So um, so thank you. And we've got a small favour to ask from you. So uh, if you would like to help us out, then stay tuned at the end of the episode. And we have a little ask that we're going to pop in at the end of the episode. Um, so lots of DMs uh, this week that we, we responded to. Uh, one in particular that kind of stuck out to me was a young creative that got mm. in touch, um, photographer, and he was kind of really worried about um, where he was in his career, kind of, I guess, imposter syndrome and, and looking at other photographers and comparing himself to their work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, young guy, like literally in his teens. His work is amazing. Like he's really, really good. Um, but he messaged because he sees other people on Instagram who are better than he is, who are getting more likes, more follows, and just wondering what's the point of it all. Like, what? why am I even trying? Can I even get to the level that these people are at? Not realising that these people have probably got 10 years on him, probably got thousands. At least, of, yeah. Yeah, at least. Probably got thousands and thousands of pounds worth of better equipment and have put in so much time into this craft to get them where they are now and that, he still has the potential to do all of this going forward. Yeah, everything you see online is is the final finished product and you don't see all of the hours of hard work that have, that have got behind. And and like, you've got time. There's there's all of this pressure for all of us to have, have figured out, even, even with like what it is we want to do with our lives, yeah. like you're having to have it figured out and have a set path. And we feel all of, the, all of this pressure. Um, and when you look at successful people, um, like Harrison Ford was a carpenter until he was age thirty. Yeah, mental. And that's Han Solo, man. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he he wasn't he wasn't on on that path for a long time. Um, J.K. Rowling, uh, Harry Potter, the Harry Potter lady. Yeah, that Harry Potter lady. <laughs> you know the one. Pretty most famous author in the world at the moment. Yeah. Well, I just in case people didn't know who she was. Anyway, um, she was twenty eight um, before she even started thinking about writing, and she was a suicidal single parent. And so, um, so I think, I mean, we know that there's lots of people in their thirties and forties that are listening to the show and you, you don't have to have it figured out. You don't have to have it figured out at any point. Yeah. So one of my favorite pieces of writing is, um, the sunscreen piece that Baz Luhrmann did a song based on that, on that piece of writing. But, um, there's a line in that that says the most interesting people I know didn't know at 22 what they wanted to do with their lives. And some of the most interesting 40 year olds I know still don't. Yeah. I love that. I think it's great. I think a lot of people finish university and still don't know what they want to do. Like a lot of people at any age have no idea what they want to do. I think I've just not found that thing yet that they're passionate about. Yeah. And I think it's okay to, to have your 
goals and your passions change as you go along. Mm. So like for me, painting was the thing for so, so long. And now um, I'm just as passionate about speaking, just as, as passionate about doing the podcast, just as passionate about like a myriad of other things that I wasn't doing five years ago. Yeah. But just found an interest and, and kept going and started cult cultivating it. So as long as you're happy, then... That's yes happiness is the key and that's what we're trying to get across to all of you um listening to this show is is find something that makes you happy and do more of that so speaking of happy people um we just interviewed madeline shaw the happiest of people yeah she's amazing uh madeline's a blogger a youtuber and a general kind of content creator um, I guess she focuses a lot on food because that was kind of how she got her start. Yeah. But she's sort of evolved. Yeah, it's a bit more of a full lifestyle around herself now. Yeah, she talks about happiness and being a mum and wellness, yoga, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and I guess that she's built like this massive audience. And I guess that kind of came around through riding the wave of being one of the very first sort of food bloggers. Yeah. Um, which is not really, I don't really know too much about food blogging. That's more your... Uh, I think what was really interesting is just how many things she does and how she fits it all in. I think this is a really good episode to find out what she does to schedule and how she manages to fit all these things in, how she comes up with different ideas for different things and what her journey has been so far. Yeah, and the crazy thing was that this all came around just because someone made a kind of offhanded comment to her, oh, you should start a food blog. And so she did, and everything has been built from there. So yeah, yeah it's, it's a pretty wild story. In this episode, we talk about the importance of smiling, growing an audience, and the power of positive thoughts. The thoughts you have in your head become your beliefs, your beliefs become your actions, your actions become your habits, your habits become your life. And I think if we were all more careful about the thoughts we had in our head, it will change everything in our lives for the better. Sure. Hello. Thank you for coming on our podcast. Oh, it's such a pleasure. It's such a cool office. I'm getting very inspired. I'm moving house, so I feel like I need to take some pictures. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> so you are the busiest person that I've probably ever seen, and now we're throwing in house moving on top of all of your current <laughs> workload. How's that going? It's good. I love it. I love being busy, and I don't know, I... I've gone through a few little mini careers before what I do. And one of them was interior design. I did, oh. while I was at uni, I did an, I did an evening course of, in interior design and worked for an interior designer just as a student and loved it. So I love kind of doing up houses and like furniture and beautiful yeah. things. And it will be great content for the YouTube. So. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. you do kind of live your life online, really, don't you? There's It's like there's a lot of you out there. Um, I think there's a lot of talk of like work-life balance, but your kind of work is your life really, isn't it? Would you agree with that? Sort of, yes and no. I feel like I do hold back quite a lot of things in my life. Like I don't really share anything about my boyfriend, a little bit about my son, but not his face. Um, so I think I do share things around like wellness and health. Um, but I've become much better at like boundaries. So recently I've sort of gotten to a habit of like not checking my emails to a certain time in the day mm -hmm. and switching off my phone at 8pm at night and then not looking at it in the morning 
and then I, ne I don't do anything on my phone on Fridays and then I'll only work for an hour on Saturdays and Sundays which might be like a social media post or something but I think I've become much more sort of strict with when I work because like you said it can just become 24 hours Monday to Sunday and I don't know I'm feeling much happier as a person since I've put in those boundaries definitely. I think that's incredible that you're you're cutting down all of those times but yet like that's making you more productive I guess like by actually taking away work time because I mean because it is work when you're checking emails and things like that by actually like limiting yourself you're actually achieving you're still achieving just as much as you were when you had all of those times and you were working during those times. 100% I'm trying to become more efficient and everyone says that the most efficient people are mothers um, <laughs> because they just know that how they have to get something done in a certain hour and I just felt like I was just spending so much time scrolling or checking my like inbox on the loo and I was like yeah. what am I doing why am I checking my emails on the loo like that's really <laughs> really unhygienic um so I was like you know what I've got to I've got to make a change and if I'm preaching health and balance and I've got to live it as well yeah. and those things were creeping into my life and I think that yeah I've been been much more sort of diligent with the way I use social media and technology. Yeah, we had a meeting with an artist the other week, didn't we? And um, that was one of the things that I was very impressed when you said, I was like, oh yeah, that's really, really true. Um, but Adam, was you were kind of saying to her that she should schedule times for social media. Yeah, because I think a lot of people have, like, it's addictive. So you kind of, you'll check it every half an hour, see if you've got any more likes come in and getting that little kind of hit of endorphins is really rewarding. So what I've done and what I, I suggested to her as well is instead of just checking all the time, allocate yourself a certain amount of time in the day to check. So say you can check in the morning, give yourself half an hour or something if you've got a lot to do and then don't check it again until two or three o'clock or something. So you actually set yourself times of this is when I'm allowing myself to go on it and then you'll get the same amount done when you're on there. But you don't have that constant just like scrolling, 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 just wasting your time 100% I think it's such a good idea and you get so much more done like when you give mm. yourself half an hour to smash through your emails or smash through Instagram you're so efficient and you enjoy it and you kind of like I don't know you're in the moment rather than yeah. just like you're half scrolling half watching telly half I don't know lying on your bed or whatever else you're doing yeah because there's different ways to use social media isn't there and I think the people that are going to be listening to this, it's it's working out how to use it correctly because there's there's using social media as a client of Instagram or Facebook or like that you're because you're being used by them, they want to keep you on the app for as long as possible. So that's one way to use it. And then the other is to use it to your advantage. To so to make connections to what I always think is a, is a good thing is to set yourself certain targets. So I'm going to use social media, but I'm going to I'm going to make sure that I secure two sales or two business meetings from Twitter or from Instagram. This so that means that you're intentional with it. So you're logging on, but and you might see an interesting post, but then you'll contact that the person who posted mm -hmm. it and try and set up a meeting or something like that. Just using it to actually create opportunities for yourself rather than just filling time. And because then you can you can file it under work because most of us we we use social media for work, 
So you can say, oh, I was working because I was on Instagram, but were you really? Or were you just scrolling, <laughs> yeah. around? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think, yeah, being intentional is, so your journey, I think is, is really, really interesting. Um, the same way as in, I just happened to meet someone who completely changed my life. Um, it was just kind of an offhand comment that someone said to you and that kind of started all of this, um, journey that you're on, wasn't it? When someone said, oh, you should, you should start blogging. Yeah, absolutely. So it kind of all started. I moved to Australia when I was 18. My parents are actually from New Zealand, but I was obsessed with Australians and just thought they were the best people <laughs> ever and still kind of do. And went to university there for four years. And when I was living there, I had really bad digestive problems. And I was trying to figure out what was causing them. And I went to see a naturopath and she changed my diet. And I was like, wow, like food can really affect not only how you feel but like how your skin looks how your energy levels and I was basically eating in this cafe so much they gave me a job and worked there for a few years cooking and loved it and I had always been one of those people that like didn't know what they were going to do in life mm -hmm. when I was at school I was really good at maths I was like the top of my class and so I was like I'll be an investment banker or an accountant and all the kind of tests told me that's what I should do and then I didn't decide to do that. And then I would go up to people and be like, what shall I do for a living? And people would be like, I don't know, I don't know you very well. <laughs> but I was like always on this quest for like figuring out who I'd be in my career. And both my parents love their jobs. What so do I was they like, do? So my dad's a psychiatrist, my mum's a physiotherapist. Mm -hmm. And they've both known what they want to do since they were 14 and still do the same jobs. And Sunday is the same as Monday for them. Yeah. And... Um, so when I started cooking in this cafe, I was like, this is it for me. I didn't necessarily, I was like, I'm going to stay in this cafe forever. But I was like, I want to do something of food. I want to do something in nutrition. And I want to help people mm -hmm. and spread the message of everything I've learned. And I didn't really know how I would make money from it. But I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and like you said, a friend of mine said to me, why don't you set up a food blog? And I was like, what's that? And she said, oh, it's this thing where you post recipes online. So I spent a few days, I just sat in bed watching YouTube, figuring out how to upload a post and write a tweet and all these sorts of things. And yeah, it started and that was six and a half years ago. So a long time ago. And at the time, I guess food blogs weren't um, a big thing like they are now, but it was so much fun. Like I moved back to London so that I could live at home. <laughs> And kind of start and I just did lots of odd jobs around it from like cooking for people dog walking babysitting anyway to kind of make money but also sort of putting lots of love and energy into this blog and you know filling it with recipes and doing little talks um around London called get the glow which was my first book because I really wanted to promote this message that healthy eating wasn't about dieting or deprivation or looking a certain way it was about eating well to feel good and that would show through your skin your eyes your energy levels and yeah that's where it all began and then I've written three books since then um uh, I've done an app um online programs work with lots of brands just a few a few things over the six years I guess I became a mum as well a year and a half ago so I've, I've been busy <laughs> <laughs> I think if if you were starting now yeah. would you would you change I mean would you be food blogging would that would 
would that be the way that you would start your career or would you do things differently? If I was starting right now, mm. as in, in 2019, it's hard to say because some people say blogs are done, that I still really love putting up content on it. I think it's yeah. a really nice way to consume content. I think it's always good to have a hub, a website hub that kind of houses different content because you do own it. And I guess at the moment, Instagram is gold, but we don't know where it will be, say, in three, five years' time. So I do think owning your own piece of the market on the internet is a good thing. So, yeah, I think it's worth having a website where you can house a few things. I think creating your own forms of content, like little ebooks for recipes, or I do things like meditation downloads or meal plans and stuff where you can kind of be making uh, income through your website is a great thing. Um, so yeah, I think I'd still would, would do that, but I would probably make a big effort with social media as well, because just so many people are on it and it's mm. a huge audience that you can start tapping into. When you had your first blog post up, what was your kind of marketing strategy as someone who had no <laughs> idea about blogging? Because I suppose at the time it wasn't really a thing. And there wasn't really anyone to follow. Yeah, so yeah, I guess blogging was a thing. Maybe not in in the immediate sort of periphery of like, say, the UK. But there were lots of people really smashing it um, in kind of Scandinavia and Australia who I felt really inspired by. I really mm. love someone called Sarah Wilson, who still is a big Aussie blogger. She was probably the first person to be really honest online and would write about her anxiety and her struggles, which was so not a thing at the time. You know, everyone was very perfect and, and not revealing all. So I think she's been a real pioneer in blogging and food and health. Um, and I really admired her. Even though she had a slightly different strategy, I guess. She did do books and online things. So we have done quite similar stuff. But yeah, there wasn't like a book that said like, this is how to make money or this is how to be successful in blogging. Mm. In a similar way, probably that there are lots of those sorts of things on the market now. Um, I've never been someone that had like a five-year plan where I was like, in five years, I'll have done this, this and this. I'm very like instinct shit instinctive instinctive is that a word <laughs> like I just kind of go yeah that feels really right or like this feels like the right thing to do in this moment or like I want to talk about this and I guess my philosophy definitely changed and I, I'm a different person to I was when I was 22 when I started to I'm 28 almost 29 next week you know and obviously that's changed but I think the core message has still remained the same what's the core message I think it's to get in the kitchen and cook with plants and eat tons of plants that would probably be it and really simple I think everyone's like what's the magic food give me your top five yeah. top five foods to feel good and it's like it doesn't work that way and I about four years ago I would have reeled them off and I'd be like chia seeds pomegranates and they are really great for you but so so many different types of food and I think we're always looking for the magic fix the magic diet that's yeah. going to like make us beautiful and ultimately when we sort of peel off the layers happy and that just doesn't work that way. So I think that, you know, it really is quite simple. It really is quite basic. And I think, you know, good eating habits, sitting down, chewing your food, you know, taking time, eating with other people, trying not to snack too much. 
you know, really basic stuff are probably the key tips for being healthy mm. rather than the other stuff. Yeah, I'm not really fasting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I keep trying to remind myself to chew more. <laughs> it's super hard because your your life, your work life is pushing you in the opposite direction. And, like, mm. it's interesting. Like, we're all getting more interested in health, yet we're becoming really unhealthy with all sorts of things that we're doing, like eating fast, living fast, more anxious, more online, more connected, more disconnected. We're learning more about health, yet the things that are making us healthy are switching off, taking time, yeah. being in nature, those sorts of things. So it's, it's, it's really hard. And chewing and eating your food slowly is a really tough one. But... It helps us absorb our food better. Uh, it will reduce bloating. I feel like if anyone has IBS or digestive problems, it's one of the best things you can do. Um, and it will make you more satisfied as well. You're much more likely to kind of enjoy your meal. But again, I'm not perfect. I definitely don't chew my food all the time. But it is a constant practice. And mm. you get to eat all the time, so you can practice it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what's really interesting, we had a, um, a DM this week from someone who was working on their PhD. Uh, we reposted it on our story. They were working on their PhD and then they realized that it wasn't making them happy and now they're kind of going off into um, more creative endeavors, which like is amazing because if this show is inspiring people to do that, then we're like so happy. Um, but with with you, was there any kind of pressure because your, like, your mum and dad found their careers super early, mm-hmm. fell in love with their careers? And I think that's so hard. I mean, I know a lot of a lot of sort of young people will get, oh, I, I was married with a mortgage by the time I was your age. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, but like it puts so much pressure. And I think older people definitely like advice is is sort of their, it's going to be their experiences that they're trying to pass off onto you. And we don't live in the world that most of us, the older generation grew up in. But so if you, you had your parents and they, they found their, their kind of true love and you're brilliant at maths, and how did you kind of navigate those those waters of finding what you love and and going for it um okay so I feel like we have to go back to when I was like 14 so before I found out I was good at math because it didn't come to me till I was a bit later I wasn't very good at school in anything like I'm talking like really mediocre at all things um you know bottom of the class or near the bottom and I used to come home to my mum and I said you know mum I'm just not very good at anything like I'm not in any of the top teams and anything and I went to a private school so it's very like are you good or are you not and you get told every day <laughs> um and she said but you know what you're really good at smiling uh-huh. and she said and that is a really really good thing to have and you'll make people feel happy and comfortable and I was like okay whatever mum that's like really stupid but she kept saying these things whether it was smiling or other things that I was potentially good at and she really like fostered that in me Mm. and made me believe that in myself so that I guess when I got older I was very much more focused on what I was good at and I think it it made me work harder and then I did do better at school but I don't know I guess I've been everyone gets brought up with beliefs from their parents and my belief from my parents which I am incredibly lucky to have is like focus on what you're good at like you know really nurture those things and only do what you enjoy doing which again isn't very lucky because I know a lot of people get really pushed into things but if I was into something my parents would be like amazing like my brother my sister we've all had very like different moves like my brother studied Middle Eastern politics 
moved to the Middle East, didn't like that, then decided to become a doctor aged 27, then did his medical degree, is now a doctor. And, like, my parents have just been like, go for it, like, supported him through his journey. Again, my sister just changed degrees at uni, and they're they're just like, go for what you love. And I guess we're just really lucky, and then I hope I'll pass on to my son as well, because I think it's a really good place to be and obviously I think sometimes as a parent it comes from fear like you said like you've got to do this job because mm-hmm. then you'll have money and you'll be okay but I don't know I, I think both my parents are not that money centered and I think that it's never been they've obviously wanted to have money because they understand the importance of it but it's not been the number one um so yeah I guess I feel really lucky and it's probably made me the way I am now because I think your beliefs when you're younger shape you as a person 100% yeah that's really interesting they sound they sound (laughs) great like great people they are yeah I am I'm very lucky or you probably when I was 15 would have said something different (laughs) but no I do feel very lucky to have them yeah I think that's the thing like uh, your parents love you and so they want the best for you but they don't necessarily know what the best for you is and I, I think when when it comes to you being a mother now when uh, when your son gets to that age you'll understand because you grew up during a completely different time you'll understand that if he wants to go and get lost in australia for a couple of years or whatever it is there's there's no he needs to find his own path i guess um so yeah and and obviously yeah your parents were super super kind of on that vibe too so that's great you've just started blogging and then I guess, was the decision to write the first book, was that to kind of, so you've got a product, I guess, so you've got something to sell to kind of help you survive? (laughs) Yeah, sort of. So I met my manager, who's still my manager now, just almost six years ago now. And she is a family friend of ours. So my mum and her mum are friends. Um, She was a bit older than me. And obviously when you're younger, age seems so huge whereas now we don't feel that different in age um so she approached me she was setting up her own kind of talent management um she had been um, uh, an agent at Avalon um and then she was doing her own thing and she said where do you see yourself like I'm kind of interested in this new type of talent which is like online and um, producing their own content and content sort of leaders and when she said, where do you see yourself? You had no idea because you didn't have a five-year plan. Exactly. I was like, I don't know, just like blogging, <laughs> having a good time, you know, helping people. And she was like, would you like to write a book? Um, I was like, me? No, that's what Jamie Oliver does. That's not what I do. And she said, well, look, why don't you write a book proposal? What would it be about? Um, and I wrote it in like, well, not the whole book, but like the premise of it in like two weeks. Like mm. I was just like, I just felt like I had everything I wanted to say so we kind of wrote it we made this very cringe video because I was living at home in my mum's house and it'd be like going into our garden and like smelling some mint like, <laughs> like the most low budget video ever but it was so good where and is that like, video now I have no idea <laughs> <laughs> <It's been banned>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway we sent it to a few book publishers tons of them said no they were like we don't know who you are mm-hmm. you're not you know you know, interesting to us. And what was your um, audience looking like at this point? I mean, I, I can't even remember, like maybe like five, 10,000 around okay. that amount. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I don't think they even cared about that. That wasn't, wasn't a it wasn't yeah. a thing. It was just like, oh, those are your friends following you, like your Facebook friends. Yeah. Um, and then my publisher, Orion, I guess just got it and sort of understood. Um, and at the time, uh, Deliciously Ella and the Hemsies were being published. So I mm. think that they saw that there was interest from other people. And yeah, I guess they took the chance for me because it is a chance for them because the way books work is they commission you to write it. So they'll give you an upfront payment and then you start earning money from the royalties once you've paid that back. So if you don't ever, you know, pay off that amount, they just lose that money, if that makes sense. So they do invest in you. Like you've got no risk from Mm -hmm. starting the book. So I guess they took a chance for me and it paid off. Um, and yeah, the first book came out in 2015, is that right? No, 2014. Mm. Um, and I think it sold like 150,000 copies, which is like good for a book. Um, and then, yeah, I went on to write another two. So I think for me, the book was to get my message out. Yes, to get a product. And it definitely changed my career hugely mm. because people were like, oh, she's got a book deal. She's obviously, someone else thinks she's great, then I think she's great. And that's kind of the way the world works, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like yeah, if so. you're associated with someone, people are like, oh, that person's cool because she's associated with that person. It kind of spirals. So I guess then like worked with quite a lot of brands and, um, you know, just, I guess, Instagram started growing and that kind of, brand relationship were started mm. which at the very beginning was very much you making content for other people whereas now it's they want you to put content on your channel so yeah. I worked with Philips juicer was like my first big brand thing and I made like lots of juice recipes for them and that was like so exciting obviously it was like a huge brand to kind of be working with and because they were your first two YouTube uploads, weren't they? Were I think so, probably. <laughs> so did that kind of kickstart you into into YouTube? Sort of. I don't feel like I. I think I put them up there, but didn't really do much. I came later to YouTube. I wasn't really sure what to do, and I think I ummed and ahed about it a lot. And I kind of wish I'd had a better YouTube strategy if I could go back again. Mm. Um, although you, you shouldn't have regrets, but, um, because I think a lot of people were like, oh, this is what works on YouTube, which is like vloggy, that kind of YouTuber thing. And I was like, oh, but I kind of want to do more like recipes and health tips. And people were like, don't do that. That doesn't work. But I wish I had just stuck with my instinct and gone down that. And I think it's, and I guess that's probably a message for everyone at the moment is like, instead of just copying what other people are doing just do the content that you want to do because yeah. I think it's so easy to slip in a pattern of being like she did a video about that I'll do a video about that yeah and although it might work and you might get the numbers it might not be the audience that you want I think um, as well the fun goes from it if you're just trying to course. copy other people and it, like and if fun's not the driver and money's just the driver then it's only you're only going to go so far of it of until it gets to a stage when you're just going to hate it (laughs) yeah that's very true I guess food videos are a real pain to make where's like a little camera you and a camera in a bedroom is like an hour and you're done (laughs) yeah that's what I always say about us is people don't realize that as they're scrolling through and they see one of our paintings and it's on their in their eyeline for three seconds and they double tap it (laughs) and then they're on to the next thing like that 
one post probably took us three days to paint. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like, I'm so jealous of people who can just take a selfie and write, might delete later. And, like, that's the dream. That's, so they're so lucky. But yeah, there's a lot that goes into this content creation. <laughs> so when you when you had the book um, and you got you 150,000 sales, which is phenomenal, um, I, I don't want to kind of leave that without without sort of addressing it. So when we launched the podcast um, and managed to get it to number one, it's like we were very calculated by okay. how we did that, and we had like a marketing strategy, and we because we wanted to we wanted to help people, but if if no one listens, you can't help anyone. Yeah, yeah. So we had sort of a, a plan of how we were going to get it out there. And what was your plan with the book? How did you market it and get people to read it? Um, so with the publisher, there was a marketing and PR person within the publisher that helps you um I didn't think there was a particular strategy they didn't they didn't have much marketing money for me whereas for the other books they did because they could see the sales so you know we didn't have any marketing ads on you on the tube or other things like that which we did later on um I had really good PR pickup I guess it was the beginning of the kind of movement of healthy eating in the in the Mm. UK so we got really, really good press. You know, it was in like U Magazine and kind of every publication that you could ever dream of was written about it. Um, I think word of mouth was big and just the fact that it was on Amazon, which is just like so easy to order from. You know, yeah. most of my sales were from Amazon. I think Waterstones was definitely a big one, but, you know, just that fact that you can click it and then Amazon obviously wants to get the lead on the price so they drop it to like half price so it's really inexpensive for people to buy Mm. um so I would definitely say there was no marketing plan from my side I would say there was probably not much marketing (laughs) plan from my although Ryan probably wouldn't be happy to say that I'm sure there was some some (laughs) strategy but I think it just had really good PR pickup and I think that was really helpful and I think that it was very new you know there weren't calories on the page it was very lifestyley. it was fun um I talked a lot about reducing sugar which at the time was quite revolutionary um so yeah I'm I'm sorry I wish I could give you this real good strategy plan I don't feel like (laughs) that is me at all it's a real winging it and going for it and if it feels right that's what happened because a lot of our friends that have have written books have found that the publishers that they've worked with have not been great on the marketing side and so um i think it's a thing that certainly with the people we know that they've taken it on themselves and just said right well well it's my book so i'm gonna produce it and so obviously you um you promoted it out to your audience exactly so i think it was really helpful i was obviously fostering an audience i've been really good at creating a newsletter so from Mm. the very beginning I've always had a newsletter that I send out every week on a Thursday at 1pm um so I I grew quite a good um newsletter list which I think was really helpful for obviously sending direct to people's inboxes with the link um and the other thing that really helped actually with selling was I did a tour so um again and you're right I mean I don't ever want to slag off my publisher because they're amazing but they didn't have the money to fund anything for us so very luckily I did my launch at Harvey Nichols and then I did a Harvey Nichols tour sounds so posh (laughs) Harvey Nichols tour but it was great because it was basically spaces in different areas around the UK so I did my launch in London 
um, and I took over their menus at the different places and then I went to Bristol um, and I went to Manchester and then I went up to Edinburgh as well because you know it was really important to me that mm. it wasn't just people in London and then I also went to like Waterstones and different areas across the country as well so that was really good you know we had like 100 people in each yeah. location eating my food and then we did a book signing afterwards so I think that was really good because it showed that I guess I cared because I think people want to see that you care mm-hmm. not just about like London and your London life but about different areas and I know those are like only a few cities in the UK there's a lot more than that but um a lot of people were just like oh my god I really appreciate the effort of you coming up here I think doing the food is really creative as well because we all know what a book signing looks like and you don't normally eat a meal or taking over the menu but it's like it's like having that that little extra thing in in taking something that's like a standard format that we know what that looks like but then just adding something different I think really helps 100% yeah and you know everyone had such a good time that it was like everyone would talk about it to their friends and share and buy books for their friends and things like that so I think that really kicked it off in a good way and then yeah I guess it was just a lot of press interviews a lot of posting about it recreating the recipes on social media sharing some of the recipes on the newsletter and then yeah I guess it just went from there and then the other books because I could say you can you can add extra an extra bit of money for marketing we did some like yeah tube ads I think we definitely made a few marketing errors kind of put a lot of money into building like a separate mailing list for a particular book but I don't think that was the right thing to do when I already have my own mailing list and Mm -hmm. is it enough just one book to build a mailing list is there enough content you can't give too much free content away because you want people to buy the book so I think there's definitely a few marketing errors that we went through but um I've used the same publisher, photographer, stylist, art director the whole time through all my books because I love them all so much. So <laughs> like every year we'd be like back together for like oh. a month, like shooting and stuff. So it's always really fun. And the next book out? <laughs> I'm writing a proposal now. Oh my gosh. But I'm... Um... <laughs> <laughs> like... No, I've taken... I've been like off for like a year and two years. So, uh, But more around like mum, food mm-hmm. and that side. Because I think... I feel like I've been through over the last year like a bit of a like not identity change but I haven't been as passionate about what I used to be passionate about I think since becoming a mum I was like I'm interested in helping people get healthy but not in that same like oh my god I've got this burning desire in me and I think probably because I've seen such huge shifts and like when I first started like I would do like a a kind of event where I like spiralize a courgette and people will be like, wow, <laughs> what are you doing, you magician? And now, you know, there's not that same like, you know. The wonder of- Yeah, there's not that same excitement. And I think it's become more everyday, which is amazing, such a good movement. So I think that I've obviously having a child become much more excited about like kids health and obviously Mm. there's a huge obesity crisis um and i think that we've become really modern in our food but you pick up a kid's cookbook and it's like mac and cheese and like baked potatoes and like beans and like not that there's anything wrong with that food but like we're eating like chinese one night and then we're eating thai the next we're eating exciting cool foods and kids are just eating really 
bland, boring, yeah. average food. And I think that we need to like mush them together and, and eat as a family and eat the same thing rather than like separate meals. And I don't know. So I've got this new uh, Instagram called Madeline's Mini Kitchen, yeah. which is like my other little project. <laughs> Just in case I wasn't busy enough. <laughs> Yeah, so I've noticed in your in your content things kind of gradually changing sort of when you became a mum and, and and sort of talking more about health health and happiness and and mindfulness and meditation and all of those kind of things. Which is really interesting to see that evolution from just food because and what I love about your food as well is that you'll talk about you'll talk about, oh here's a vegan dish or but then you'll have a meat dish the next week. Um and what well, I don't know what it is, but how there's like kind of cults around specific food groups that people get hugely passionate about. Mm. I think almost in a kind of destructive way. I don't know how you feel about that, but um, but you managed to you managed to skirt over all of the different genres <laughs> and kind of tie them all in nicely without getting shouted at by angry vegans or anything like that. I know. I don't know how I've pulled it off. But I have very little to no hate. I would say maybe one thing a year, if that. Like, I, I don't know how I've done it. It's I've really pulled it off, haven't I? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, think, I think that has definitely been intentional. Um, I don't have a food philosophy in the sense that I'm not vegan, nor am I paleo or carb-free or... I don't know what the others are, but there's many. Yeah. Um, and I want it to be all inclusive so like anyone can tap into it whether you are vegan or whether you are paleo or whatever so you feel um you feel like you can do it and I always want to have it with like a positive energy and all inclusive and this is not some like really cool club that you can't be part of like everyone's welcome Mm. because you know if everyone can cook that would be a great thing um yeah I definitely think I do it intentionally and I think that nutrition is a really really complicated area that we will go on to learn more about disprove old ideas and it's ever-changing and I think I used to read something and then get fixated on it and be like everyone has to do this but actually I think I've learned that like we're so individual and like something that works for me and it might not work for you and if you're too pushy on it it will make people feel bad about themselves and I Mm. think that that can be good in some ways for some people how they build their brand but for me that doesn't feel right um and I think that like the best thing that anyone can do is like tune into their body so through meditation through kind of whether it's a yoga practice or just having some quiet time to figure out like what is working for me like what does that food feel like in my body like you know what I might push my breakfast back a little bit will that feel better will I feel less bloated and if we can figure out those tools then we can manage our food better and instead of us going to social media and going what shall I do tell me like you know you can't ask that of all the thousands of people that you follow you have to figure out yourself and I think that that I guess you have to then follow people that are allowing you to do that rather than pushing something down your throat Mm. and I guess that's where I'm trying to get to although it can be frustrating for people because I do think people want the magic pill the magic diet yeah but I guess I'm trying to like educate people to see that 
that isn't the way and it's taken me a long time to kind of understand that and I think it can be frustrating for people but it's definitely the best advice and the more people like I meet like we've got this woman called Emma Cannon who's like this amazing fertility acupuncturist and she's exactly the same if you said to her um what are the top five fertility foods or what five things should I do to change she'll be like I can't give you that because it's this and like I've watched her not that I'm at all as wise as her but I think you'll notice from people that are have been doing it a long time they don't like push one particular method they're very like open and they've kind of seen everything that they've come to this like happy medium that yeah, it's a really good, sense, good, really good sense of experience yes. because, like, I get that a lot. People be like, oh, "I want to buy a camera. What should mm. I buy?" And I'm like, "Well, well, what do you want to use it for? Like, there's not this one trick that's just going <laughs> to solve everything. Like, are you going to do video? Are you going to do photo? Like, what, are you going to do portraits? Are you going to do landscapes? Like, there's so much variety yeah. out there. And I think everyone, like, until you really start researching and get to understand something, you realize that there's not just that one secret hack that's just going to sort everything out. Yeah. And when it comes to tools as well, I always remember when I was tattooing, um, I'd be looking on kind of like superstar tattooers pages. So like a Nico Hurtado or someone like that. And in the comments, it would be like, oh, what machine do you use? As if to, if he tells you what machine he has, all of a sudden magically you're going to be like, yeah, it's beautiful. And it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. And I think, what I mean, it's one thing that we always hark on about is like there are there are no hacks. There's no hacks in like marketing. There's no hacks in food. Whatever there is, it's it's like pretty much it's hard work. It's it's working out how something yeah. how the system works and then how you fit into that system. Yeah, you can have all the tools, but unless you develop the skills to actually use them, it's like I suppose with and food is a tool. That's a, you're fueling your body with something. Yeah, you could give me your camera and I would not have a clue. I would not yeah. take good photos. Yeah. Because I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I'm not a photographer. <laughs> yeah. But I can learn. Exactly. We can all learn. Everyone can learn. Anyone can learn anything. Um, so on that point, um, I've heard you talk before about your brain. And um, you were kind of, uh, you could like you might not remember this, but I was listening <laughs> to an interview with you. But, um, and you were saying um, there was a point when you were, when you were much younger where you kind of realised that you could um, unlock your brain and what you were focusing on, you would you would achieve kind of thing. Does that ring a bell? Sort of, yeah. Um, so I feel like one of the things that all, all happened in Australia. So I went to this yoga school um, called Power Living Yoga and they started to do this like meditation for a month, yoga meditation for a month. It was called like the 40 day and 40 night challenge. And I was like, Sounds a bit religious, but I'll go. <laughs> um, and did. And it was like every day you had to do yoga. And then every week you went to this talk. And it was like the first time I'd started to like understand how like your thoughts affect your actions and your beliefs. Um, and one of the things that we did was like to look at thought patterns. And the guy, the teacher said, you know, like every day we all have like particular stories we tell ourselves. So it might be the money story, like when I'm rich, I'll buy this car and I'll live in this house and blah, blah, blah. Or like the victim tape, which is like, oh, one day a car will hit me and my future husband will save me and he'll fix me and everything will be fine. So he was talking about these like different tapes that we play in our heads and I was like, 
oh my god I definitely do that like I related to like all the tapes Mm. um and it was the first time like I had awareness to my thoughts um and for some people they might be like oh yeah of course you do for some people who are listening they might be like oh god I've never even thought about it I don't want to know what's in my thoughts but it was like the beginning of a big change in me definitely and I was like okay I'm like manifesting this in my life because I'm constantly thinking of like what will go wrong in my relationship so I'm creating problems and I totally believe in that whenever you're like you know being like mean in your head about your partner or wishing like something bad would happen it happens and like I really really I'm so big on manifestation um and it's the it was just something I started noticing and I'd be like thinking about something it would happen And I guess that has like helped me in my career a lot. So maybe I haven't had a five-year plan, but I've been huge on manifestation. And I say manifestations every single day, whether that's like a money one. And it's like, I'll say to myself, money falls effortlessly into my account, which to you might sound bananas, but to me, it feels like the right thing to say. And sometimes it works. Um, Or it might be like, today I'm going to go on the podcast and it's going to go really well and I'm going to speak from the heart or um you know I'm going to be kind and loving to everyone who I'm with and I'll say maybe like five to ten different things every day based on what's happening that day or what's happening in my life um and they keep me focused and I guess they help me speak and act in the way that I want to be and I think for some people they're like that's bananas like but you know what your thoughts the thoughts you have in your head become your beliefs your beliefs become your actions your actions become your habits your habits become your life and I think if we were all more careful about the thoughts we had in our head it will change everything in our lives for the better and I like I've seen it happen with my boyfriend very recently because I even though I am slightly spiritual he's not at all Mm -hmm. and I never want to be too like on him because it might be a bit like but I've started to make him manifest and lots of really weird things have happened in his life um through the manifestations the very specific to him and I'm always like look what happened today or like this has happened because I do really think that like there is some sort of magic in that and it's really hard to change your thoughts as well and like if you so I'm going to stop you there yeah (laughs) with the word magic um I sort of always thought that affirmations were absolute baloney until I started reading into the science of it. Mm, there's so and much so, research. Yeah. So we shouldn't use the word magic because I think that's where things get Yeah. As soon as you say magic, it. people will like just switch off <laughs> yeah. and be like, well, it's nonsense. Yeah. Um because I'm I I know I know exactly what you mean because it does it does feel like magic. But when I mean I'm not a scientist, but I will urge people to go and read about affirmations and how it opens spaces in your subconscious that your your brain is then looking to solve those problems to fix those things because you've made yourself conscious mm. of those being problems or things that you want to work on in your life yeah. and asking your brain to go to work on something i think is really really important so uh, yeah I think as soon as you say it to yourself subconsciously your brain's amazing it's just working out the whole time it's like if you think about something before you go to bed or something your whole night it's, your brain's going to be working on a solution for that problem no you're right probably magic is the wrong word i do encourage everyone to kind of think of those five things that they want in their lives and then like repeat them to themselves and you might feel silly at first but i do think it works so how do you do it do you have do you do you do ones every day linked to that day or do you have ones that are kind of a bit 
broader? Yeah, a bit of both, I would say. So there might be like three that will be repeated every day. And they're kind of general. They're very like kind of around my family or like love or kindness or something. Um, But then there might be ones that are specific to like what I'm doing that day or what my goals are in what area. Um, And I tend to, I meditate every day. So I tend to them after I meditate. And so like everything we're talking about you like you fill your days with so much stuff and um, you've got quite a, a schedule haven't you of, of you do two recipes a week two new recipes a week yeah. aren't you like worried you're going to run out of recipes one day no that's something that would never happen when I first started blogging that was kind of something I was worried about I was like all of a sudden you'll just you'll just run out of ideas and, and, won't, and it hasn't <laughs> happened yet. So, so I'm glad I wanted to get that clarification from you. Um, but yeah, so what, so how do you, how do you schedule your time? Because you're, you're across various different social platforms. You're the only person that I've met in the past three or four years that uses Google plus still. Oh, well, not really. <laughs> I mean, I'm on it, but not active. <laughs> Dude, you updated it like three weeks ago. I think it just goes automatically. It's like uh, a click uh, button. Okay. Oh, I see. Okay. Because yeah, I saw on your website, I was like, Google Plus logo. Wow. It's a bit old school. And it was like current. And I was like, wow. It's incredible. No, um, yeah. I think it's a click of the button from YouTube. How do you how do you schedule your your days? Um, okay. So I have four days of working per week and then three days not working. So Monday to Thursday my son's either at nursery or with his dad. Um, So I always make a list the night before and I plan everything hour by hour. So 8 a.m.s drop off and normally 5 p.m.s pick up from nursery. Um, So everything from shower, meditation, getting changed (laughs) to like what recipe I'm making, how long it will take to tidy up the kitchen afterwards, travel times, I'll look up what time the train I'm getting. I know I was like messaging for yeah. like, I'm getting this train and this train. <laughs> but like, I just have to. So I schedule everything hour by hour and I like to tick it off the list. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how I make sure I do. And I always have two days content. So normally Mondays and Tuesdays are my content days. But um, Sarah, who works for me, is away. So things have been jiggled about a little bit. So I have specific content creation days and then specific like meeting, talking, other kind of days that that's how I'll sort of fill my diary. Um, Like I said earlier, quite diligent when I switch off. Um, I'll be particular around kind of when I post things, what works best for me. Um, Yeah. What brought on the decision to bring Sarah on? I've all I've actually had people work for me for pretty much the last three or so years. I had a quite a big team at once, three people working for me. Um, and it was just before I gave birth and it was just too much pressure because mm. I didn't know when I was going to come back to work. I didn't really know how I would make money when I was off. Um, so I let them go, which was very sad because I really liked all of them and then brought Sarah on when I when Shay was about seven months I'd say which is when I much more got back into like a more regular work schedule and started working four days a week um and she worked she was one of her best friends worked for me previously and that's how we met so I'm very like 
I like working with people who I know mm. who are friends of friends because um, she had a knack for it, but I feel like you can kind of train people up to do yeah. things. If you get on well with them, then that's... Especially because she works at my house, it's quite intimate. For me, it's like mm. the person who I work with is really important. Um, and she helps me with lots of things. I'm incredibly dyslexic, so a lot of writing, spell checking, um working with like uploading schedules because we'll have like yeah kind of deadlines for like writing copy for brands receiving copy like a lot of sort of scheduling and other things like that so it's really really helpful having someone definitely and so um I better ask you this as we're we're running low on time but I better ask you um how when you so building your audience you've mm-hmm. built an absolutely huge audience um and obviously there is no magic pill there is no hack um but what are some of the your kind of favorite strategies that you've employed in in sort of amassing this huge audience thank you um i would say it's probably like being myself because i think people always say to me oh i really like you because you're positive mm. i like that like you kind of just smile at the camera and chat and I'm like oh okay I just do that naturally but that's good like you know you learn from what people like so being yourself um really nurturing the audience so like replying to comments replying to dms learning from it as well or oh, people really like this sort of thing like reflecting and learning because I think you can often be like I'm just gonna post this because I like it and I like it but if people are like Mm-mm, don't like it then yeah. you've got to respond so learning from what people are commenting on what they're enjoying um being like bold to like change things up um what other things would I say I think can I probably don't do it enough but connecting with other people in your area because I think that we shouldn't be against each other we should be supporting one another mm-hmm. so meeting up with other people whatever space you're in um and connecting with them I think doing events I again don't do them as much but in the past I did supper clubs every month um for about three or four years so kind of having that one-on-one interaction with your audience so that people can actually meet you rather than it constantly being behind a screen yeah. I think that's definitely helped me um <laughs> yeah you definitely should um and what has been really good for instagram i think just consistency as well just posting consistency and but not being a slave to it you know i think that there are definitely times over my sort of time over instagram where i've not liked it and it's probably because i've been on it too much so like we said from the beginning be on it but take a break so that you've still got that joy because people can feel it and like people can sense what the message you're putting out there so be on it but be on it like a hundred percent don't be on it like 30 percent and then people will feel that and they'll kind of vibe off it so today as this episode airs is uh, international women's day yeah it's a very exciting day um i feel like so happy to be a woman i think a lot of people are always like oh it's so crap to be a woman in business and in life but nowadays it's probably the best time to be a woman like i feel like there's so much celebration for women. Obviously, there's a lot of changes that need to be made, but I feel like women have finally had like the courage and power to be speaking up. Mm. So many changes are being made, and it's a really exciting day to kind of celebrate that. Um, you know, I always think back to like 100, 200 years ago, what it would be, what my life would have been like. And I don't think it would have been that great. Mm. So I'm quite happy to live in this time and 
you know, especially in my business, I feel like it's such a great thing being a woman. And I love speaking about women particular stuff. And (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, I think there's a nice tribe of women supporting women and I hope that continues. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've noticed it. We're actually looking in the on iTunes this week in the Be Your Own Boss section, um, which we've featured in. And actually looking through it, I think out of the 10 people in there, only three are men and seven are women, which is great. Yeah, that is awesome. We'll be announcing at the end of the podcast um, project that we're working on for International Women's Day that we're super excited about. Um, so where can people find you online? So you can go to my Instagram, which is Madeline underscore Shaw underscore there were too many Madeline Shaws when I joined <laughs> so I had to go with that name so you can find me there on Instagram or my website which is madelineshaw.com Wicked Great. Thank you so much Thanks thank so much you. Hey Rebels thank you for sticking around to the end of the show um, just wanted to have a little chat about a project that we've been working on recently that we're really super proud of Yeah I think coming off the back of that great positive episode now we want to talk about a little little thing positive that we're doing for the world So Sophie's currently over in Brazil working with a charity called Menina Dancer. And basically she's she's headed over to this area of Brazil that is the worst affected place in the world for child prostitution. Mm -hmm. And Sophie decided for International Women's Day, go over there and spread some light and colour in the form of murals. And she's an incredible artist. And so she's gone over there and she's working with um, a lot of young people that the charity Menina Dancer work with. We've put together a little documentary video video, um, about the project and um, we'd love it for you guys to see it and potentially share it if you enjoy it. And um, yeah, just help us uh, celebrate International Women's Day and celebrate this charity that's doing incredible work. You can find the video over at graffitilife.co.uk forward slash blog. Thanks for listening. We're trying to help a lot of people with this show, so we need your help to grow the community and spread our message. If you know someone who'd benefit from hearing what we talked about today, or they just need a little nudge in the right direction, pass this podcast on to them. If you want to hear more, then subscribe to us on iTunes. And if we helped you with anything... We'll really love you forever if you can leave us an iTunes review. It makes a huge difference. See ya.